B is for bourgeoisie. The martial law of public opinion. Public opinion is an absolute value to the bourgeoisie man and woman because they know they are living in a herd. A herd of scared animals that will turn on anyone it does not recognize as its own. They shiver in fear as they ponder what the neighbors will think of their son's new hairstyle. They plot ways to seem even more normal than their friends and co-workers. They don't dare fail to turn on their lawn, sprinklers, or dress appropriately for casual Fridays at the office. Anything that could drag them out of their routines is viewed as suspect at best. Love and lust are both diseases, possibly fatal, as are all the other passions that could drive one to do things that would result in expulsion from the flock. Keep them quarantined to secret affairs and teenage dates, to nightclubs and strip clubs, for God's sake. Don't contaminate the rest of us. Go wild when your football team wins a game. Drink yourself into oblivion when the weekend comes. Rent obscene movies if you have to. But don't you dare sing or run or make love out there. Under no circumstances admit to feeling anything that doesn't belong to the staff room or at the dinner party. Under no conditions admit to wanting anything more or different than what everyone else wants, whatever and whoever that might be. And of course, their children have learned this too. Even after the death matches of the grade school nightmare, even among the most rebellious and radical of the nonconformists, the same rules are in place. Don't confuse anybody as to where you stand. Don't use the wrong signifiers or subscribe to the wrong codes. Don't dance when you're supposed to be posing. Don't speak when you're supposed to be dancing. Don't mess with the genre or the moves. Make sure you have enough money to participate in the various rituals. To keep your identity intact, make it clear which subcultures and styles you're aligned to, which bands and fashions and politics you want to be associated with. You wouldn't dare risk your identity, would you? That's your character armor, your only protection against certain death at the hands of your friends. Without an identity, without borders to define the edges of yourself, you'd just dissolve into the void, wouldn't you? The Generation Gap The older generations of the bourgeoisie have nothing to offer the younger ones because they have nothing in the first place. All their standards are hollow, all of their riches are consolation prizes, not one of their values contains any reference to real joy or fulfillment. Their children sense this and rebel accordingly whenever they can get away with it. The ones that don't have already been beaten into terrified submission. So how has bourgeoisie society continued to perpetuate itself through so many generations? By absorbing this rebellion as part of the natural life cycle. Because every child rebels as soon as she is old enough to have a sense of self at all. This rebellion is presented as an integral part of adolescence, and thus the woman who wants to continue her rebellion into adulthood is made to feel that she is insisting on remaining a child forever. It's worth pointing out that a brief survey of other cultures and peoples reveal that this adolescence rebellion is not inevitable or natural. The perpetual rebellion of youth also creates deep gulfs between different generations of the bourgeoisie, which play a crucial role in maintaining the existence of the bourgeoisie as such. 
because the adults always seem to be the enforcers of the status quo, and the youth do not have the perspective to see that their rebellion has been also absorbed into that status quo. Generation after generation of young people are able to make the mistake of identifying older people themselves as the source of their misfortunes, rather than realizing that these misfortunes are the result of a larger system of misery. They grow older and become bourgeoisie adults themselves, unable to recognize that they are merely placing their former enemies and still unable to bridge the so-called generation gap to learn from people of other age groups, let alone establish some kind of unified resistance with them. Thus, the different generations of the bourgeoisie, while seemingly fighting amongst themselves, work together harmoniously as components of the larger social machine to ensure maximum alienation for all. The Myth of the Mainstream The bourgeoisie man depends upon the existence of a mythical mainstream to justify his way of life. He needs this mainstream because his social ins instincts are skewed in the same way his conception of democracy is. He thinks that whatever the majority is, wants, does, must be right. Nothing could be more terrifying to him than this new development, which he is beginning to sense today, that there no longer is a majority, if there ever was. Our society is so fragmented, so diverse, that at this point it is absurd to speak of a mainstream. This is a myth partly created by the anonymity of our cities. Almost everyone passes on the street as is a stranger. One mentally regulates these anonymous figures to the faceless mass one calls the mainstream, to which one attributes whatever properties one thinks of strangers as possessing. For the smug salesman, they all envy him for being even more respectable than they are. For the insecure bohemian rebel, they must disapprove of him for not being like they are. They must be part of the silent majority, that invisible force that makes everything the way it is. One assumes that they are the same normal people seen in television commercials. But the fact is, of course, that those commercials refer to an unattainable ideal in order to keep everyone feeling left out and insufficient. The mainstream is analogous to this ideal as it keeps everyone in line without ever actually making an appearance and possesses the same degree of reality as the perfect family in the toothpaste advertisement. No one worries more about this absent mass than the bohemian children of the bourgeoisie. They bicker over how to orchestrate their protests to gain mass appeal for their radical ideas as if there is still a mass to appeal to. Their society is now made up of many communities, and the only question is which communities they should approach. And dressing nice, proper language and all, is probably not the best way to appeal to the most potentially revolutionary elements of their society. In the last analysis, the so-called mainstream audience, most of them, imagine they are dressing up for, at their demonstrations and political events, is probably just the specter of their bourgeoisie parents, engraved deep in their collective unconscious, collective psychosis, as a symbol of the adolescent insecurity and guilt they never got over. They would do better to cut their ties to the bourgeoisie entirely, by feeling free to act, look, and speak in whatever ways are pleasurable no matter who is watching. 
even when they are trying to advance some political cause, for no political objective reached by activists in camouflage would be more important than beginning the struggle towards a world in which people will not have to disguise themselves to be taken seriously. This is not to pardon those insecure bohemians who use their activism not as a means of building ties with others, but rather as a way to set themselves apart in their desperation to purchase an identity for themselves. They believe that they must pay for it by defining themselves against others. You can recognize them by their self-righteousness, their pompous show of ideological certainty, the ostentatious way they declare themselves activist at every opportunity. Political activism is almost exclusively their sphere. Today, an exclusive is the key word. Until this changes, the world will not.